Welcome back to Hacker Hangouts on another Saturday morning, and we have a new face here, and we are ready to dive in, and I'm I'm excited. This is Loops. Uh, I met him last Hi. night. He is my favorite person I, I have met in the last 24 hours. Uh, he has a magical beard, and as we were doing uh, like a sound check last night, uh, we it, five minutes turned into one hour of just awesome conversations. Uh, the more I, I learn about him, uh, the more I like him, and more than that... I have a question. If someone said to you, your brain is the sexiest thing about you, how, how would you feel about that? Would you, would you feel oh, good man. about that one? Well, you're assuming that no one's ever said that to me before. So, you know, I'll just tell you how I felt. How about that? Uh, I yeah, said it to him last week. <laughs> I mean, were you offended by that? Like your brain is the sexiest thing about you. No, not even a little. I mean, I, I, I hope that's the sexiest thing about me because the rest of me isn't really doing a whole lot. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. So yep. I'm glad you find part of me sexy is the answer to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so 2023 just started and already I think we've had like some obnoxious number of cyber events. And when we were talking about the title for the stream, the original title was something like, um, you know, a hacker's dilemma, dealing with the emotions. Because I find deep down, I don't know what, again, I've been on the pen testing side for like forever. And then I moved over to core of like chief innovation officer. But like when the, doing the pen testing, part of me, like there's this weird uh, dichotomy that happens, which is you're getting paid to break into someone's network. And when you're doing that, your success or what you're feeling of success comes is when you're successfully breaking in and you're successfully dumping their AD and you're successfully finding some exploit in their software. And on your side, you're like, oh, I win. And then on their side, someone else is, is losing and having a terrible day. Like, ideally, you can't find a way in. I think that has kind of moved into this idea of first part of this year is when you see these massive exploits happen, part of me goes like, like we're winning and then it was like wait no we're we're really not we're really really losing do you get that at all like i don't know if that's just like a weird thing in my mind loops what about you like have, do you experience that because you've been on the red team side haven't you yeah i mean for for various definitions of red team yeah you know i, I anytime anytime you're winning in in cyber you're kind of losing right and anytime you're losing there's somebody who's winning you know, I don't think it's really about winning and losing anymore. Let's let's say this. It's kind of like, you know, I've got a niece and nephew uh, who just moved close to me in uh, over on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, they talk about playing sports and all. And they're, they reminded me that, you know, it's how you got, it's, it's all about how you play the game, right? And uh, I think that couldn't be more true for, for cyber because really, like, every, every time something happens in cyber, someone's lost, someone's won. And uh, it's someone different every time, too. Hmm. Now... Gowry, what are your thoughts on that? And then let's jump into some of the more recent news because I just find it just nuts. That's already happened. Uh, you know, this is, this is, I, I, you know, you already know what I'm going to say, which is I don't play CTF because I don't find it fun anymore. I don't find the competitive as aspect of it fun anymore. So I, I'm kind of on the, the lines of, of loops in that I don't like that it is seen as this competition against red versus blue kind of, but in what you were really trying to say, it's just like, uh, if everything is hopelessly broken, aren't we just horrendously losing all the time? Like even if the red team quote wins, really that just means we're collectively losing, right? 
<laughs> Congratulations, you're one. Oh, you won. You're you are the smartest idiot in the room. Still an idiot. <laughs> yes. So what was the re you you had gone off right before stream of like five different hacks that have happened. I'm curious to jump into some of them because some of them are just like so goofy. Well, the first one's not really a hack. I mean, everyone was, you know, everyone's aware of the Southwest problems, right? The problems with Southwest Airlines. Well, Southwest Airlines uh, has nothing on the FAA's NOTAM system going down. And so for people that are living under a rock, um, the, there was a no, there's a NOTAM system. So this is the Twitter uh, from the, the FAA's Twitter. Uh, they had an outage to their notice to air mission system. And basically, my understanding of what the system is, is basically it tells you what's around the airport in general. So that's what lets them safely take off and land because they know, you know, there's a 150 foot crane 12 miles from the airport and they know to tell the, the airplanes don't fly at 150 feet, right? <laughs> well, there was an outage in that and the FAA grounded all planes nationwide for, for like a couple of hours. Um, and there was a ton of speculation as to what was going on. This was determined that a quote, software glitch specifically a damaged database file caused the outage of the agency's NOTAM system. And this kind of goes into the, the realm of like legacy systems, right? The question I have is how old is this system or how new is this system? Because <laughs> it could be either of those, right? I believe NOTAM's really, really old. I would, oh yeah. I would imagine with so many system i mean like so like when i was in that we'll say that section of the government and doing my my it was always amazing maybe like when i when i toured some of the buildings you would expect where like it's space age like lasers bouncing off the moon and then you would come across like rooms where you're walking and you see ethernet cables duct taped to the floor because no one has gotten approval to be able to like break the wall and put them in there. And you deal with some of those weird politics, which you wouldn't have to deal with elsewhere. So like it always, it would not amaze me that these are old systems. More than that, most of these systems are, have, were always, air, just like the, the smart grid. They were always air gap. They were never meant to be connected to the internet. And now all of a sudden they are, and they were never kind of relocked away. So my guess would be it was a very old system. And you know, I was cruising Mastodon recently and I saw there was a, I, I don't know who the source is on this, but they said something to the effect of like, go into the data center and look for the 486, like the beige 486 that's plugged in in the corner that just got unplugged. Like there's your problem. And it's, it's <laughs> hilarious because like, I have actually seen exactly this in production in like a critical system before an actual old 486 sitting in a corner of some old data center. And it was doing something important, like can't say what, but it was doing something important. And that was, you know, that was their system. That was their lifeline. There was no redundancy. That's like the software equivalent of don't remove these comments. Software will break. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think that this one, though, is like this one doesn't really surprise. Like, don't get me wrong. Critical system and everything like that. This one just feels like common. This feels like, oh, that's so last week. Having a critical system go down. But it's not as interesting as, like, for instance, the Experian breach. Did you have that one pulled up? 
Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to say is the FAA did say that this was not the cause of a cyber or this, there was no evidence of a cyber attack. So everyone was immediately freaking out and saying, this is a cyber attack. This is a, no, it, it was just, you know, a, a critical system going down and no failover, <laughs> which, that, you know, it's that's what, about what baffles we expected. me. How was there not like, you'd think with a system like this, you would have redundancy on po- top of redundancy on top of redundancy in it. That, that is, I get why it can't happen and why it's not there, but oh my gosh, why have we not rebuilt that so there is actually that? Not just a system like that, but an organization like that. This is the FAA. Like their whole their whole reason for existence is aviation safety, and this is the system for aviation safety. This is like there's a runway out. Don't land here, and uh, yeah, no redundancy blows my mind. But let's jump into the next reviews. This one I do think is just utterly ridiculous. Here we go. I'll drop it on the screen here. This isn't even the first time Experian got, quote, hacked, right? Like, that I'm aware of. Like, I think that they have been the subject of pretty massive hacks. And it makes sense. They're a juicy target, right? So the summary of this is basically Experian has an interface for us all to log in and go look at our credit reports. And in order to do that, normally you have to answer a bunch of multiple choice security questions, which are another flawed mechanism. But... They had a way to bypass this if you knew the person's name, address, birthday, and social security number, which is like, you would think, oh, you know, that's, that's kind of a hard hack. You got to know someone's name and their, uh, their associated social security number. But everyone's social security number has been leaked so many millions of times at this point that this is basically gross negligence, in my opinion. Like, the, the fact that you could bypass their incredibly weak security feature to get in in the first place by just knowing data that's pretty readily available on the dark web, if you will. Uh, Experian is not going to have a good year. Mind you, though, the vulnerability was not that, oh, you could guess these things. You could bypass these things entirely. You didn't even have to answer those questions. And what's this falls back to something we talked about earlier which is should you be able to be criminally liable for negligence on this on this level because we're not talking like okay someone again bounced the laser off the moon as i understand it and as i read the, the how the attack works it is legitimately going up to the your address bar there is a forward slash private directory and if you delete that and replace it with not an indirect object reference, but if you would replace it with just like the number of the report, you can just see anyone's report. This isn't on the level of, I had to search for days and weeks. This is on the level of, oh, I stumbled across this and oh my gosh, everyone's social security number, like everyone's social security reports is out there. This is funny because this is literally, I mean, that type of that type of, I actually found one of those vulnerabilities while I was in the Navy, right? It was one of like the health systems and I saw a URL flash by and I went, what happens if I just add a, you know, plus one to this ID number and somebody else's health information came up? These, these things happen in the wild and they're real, right? And so like, should, and this is, this is something that uh, <laughs> Silk and I have discussed at length. I'm interested to get your uh, input loops. Should a company be held liable for that level of vulnerability to the point of like gross negligence? Criminally, yeah, man, not civilly, criminally. criminally. Yeah, I mean, at least civilly, they should be, you should be able to sue them, right? I mean, I think everybody kind of agrees on, on that point. Like 
if if a company loses your information, you know, they're open to, to lawsuits. Yeah. Generally speaking, if they lose a lawsuit, that opens them up to potentially, you know, criminal uh, allegations and, and criminal prosecution. But, you know, obviously, you know, the, the standard preface, I'm not a lawyer. Um, but also, I believe that, yeah, negligence is is one of those things, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's, it's your, you know, if you're in charge of security or finances or personnel, negligence is the crime, right? The problem I, I have with that is that negligence is often very hard to prove. And so like, you can make the laws for it. You could say like, yeah, we're gonna hold these people criminally liable, but what is that actually gonna result in? Like, who's gonna be the first, you know, fall guy? Who's gonna be the one, you know, getting prosecuted for the first time for it? It's gonna have to be something just like really openly egregious. They're gonna have to have like chat transcripts saying like, oh, I don't care about users, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't see it really happening. I, you know, as somebody who works in security, like I don't want to feel like my I don't want to feel like I'm at risk of that if I forget, you know, to check one box or something and uh and, you know, and everything goes sideways. But yeah, in general, I think, you know, for people who are who are being really egregious about it, who are saying like we don't need security, just you know, just open up that S3 bucket and dump it in there. Like that's caused, you know, years of of this type of indirect object reference vulnerabilities. And uh, yeah, I think that should be, you know, if somebody s does that stuff knowingly, then they should be held accountable civilly and criminally. Yeah. And one in a piece of this too, is like, we're not talking like there's already precedent in other verticals, medical, you can get do like a, do a doctor malpractice and all of that. The question is, is if you're dealing with a certain level of confidential data is does that open you up for this? Like, and I use this as an example is like this vulnerability could have been found by any DAST tool. Like every single DAST tool, the first thing it's going to do uh, that dynamic application security uh, testing or tool is it's going to find that parameter. It's going to start iterating through it. And that would be like, it should get caught with automation. So there's definitely some sort of negligence that happened, but like, yikes. Like and this has been shown that, that, People have gone to prison over this. Well, I don't know that people have actually gone to prison over this because this conversation kind of started back in December when an Albanian, uh, the Albanian government arrested some government workers uh, and charged them with crimes for not functionally not doing their job. Right. So like in the military terms, we call this like abandoning your post. Right. Um, but this <laughs> this is these are folks that like their job was to just make sure that services were updated. And they just let services not be updated for seven years. And we started getting into this discussion of, you know, at what level does it become a crime to, yeah. and, and, and the gray areas like, well, is this a system that got shuffled off in the corner and the only guy who knew about it left the company or left the service? And therefore, you know, these other people that inherited didn't know. I, like there's negligence there, but is it gross negligence? And is it, you know, does it rise to the level of criminal? Is there intent, right? If these folks literally just collected a paycheck and did nothing that they were supposed to do, then maybe you could rise to the level of saying that there's criminal intent there. Where it gets to be interesting is you, and I think, uh, Loops, you, you touched on this, is with this hack, or I guess with this vulnerability that was uh, revealed, is it the level of like intentful gross negligence that someone didn't run a DAST tool against a pretty high profile service with people's financial informations, right? 
they're supposed to have pretty stringent security policies in place. And and Silk loves talking about this. You have a you have a security policy doesn't mean you adhere to it, right? <laughs> um, but like, well, yeah, or, I guess there, or that security policy could be written in crayon on the back of a napkin. It's still a security policy you're following. It doesn't make it a good policy either. Yeah, I see. I'm curious because, like, while this one, while this vulnerability dealt with, um, you know, maybe a DAS scan or things like that. If you if they were sued, they have to show damages. And historically, like, I I feel bad for anyone who had their identity theft or their their identity stolen, like when it first happened. Because you, we all know how that went. Is someone had their identity stolen, they started seeing credit card things come up. They call the FBI and be like, hey, my identity is stolen. And the person on the other end are like, what are you talking about your identity? I'm talking to you right now. How could your identity be stolen? There's like no, there's no like policy or procedure for it. Now it's like, hey, my identity has been stolen. They're like, hold on, fill out form 32AB, send that back. We'll file it here. We'll send you this. Like it's all automated. And when, when, when they are, if they are held liable, there's going to have to be some sort of damage assessed with something like I, your identity being stolen. There's a fee for it. Unfortunately, it's like everyone will get $5. Like someone will get like some negligent amount or like, well, or we'll sign you up for monitoring for a year for our service, which we provide like some utterly ridiculous thing. Whereas something like LastPass, which was hacked Again, like every single time it gets hacked, I add another character to my password. Now I have like a 32 character password. It's like, it's been hacked seven times within the past couple years, like seven times. Like that is, that is horrid. Now I get it. They're a juicy, they're a juicy target. The question though, is there is with the identity theft, five bucks. How do you articulate like the amount of damage your entire password vault would have and just completely reek on your life. That's every password. And there's not really a great way of knowing like what it was. And they weren't really all that open about it. How do you assess damages on something like that? You're muted by the way. My bad. Uh, you get into this sometimes <laughs> with telling people, you know, go in, you know, so that this is the article for the last pass hack and it was millions of people and it wasn't just passwords. It was, uh, billing address, email addresses, end usernames, so like your real name, telephone numbers, things like that. Um, so, you know, they, they're having a bad year too. <laughs> um, but you get into this with password, ha uh, password vaults being hacked, but also just how easy it is sometimes to get into these, we'll say critical aggregators of information, people's Gmail accounts, right? Silk is notorious for having hacked millionaires. Uh, he, he has, he loves that story, uh, but he, he got, does that also, by yeah. the way, he got offended when I called him a millionaire. He's like multi-millionaire. He called, he called <laughs> me out and he's like, it was multi. -million. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Continue on. Yeah. But you know, and, and that quote hack was functionally just guessing his security questions on Gmail. Right. Um, which at this point is like, you shouldn't use those anymore, which is even funnier. And, you know, going back to the experience or was it Experian or was it, uh, uh, the, yeah, Experian, the yeah, Experian yeah, hack. Right. Yeah. The Experian hack was just guessing people's security questions. You could do that anyway. And that's the way people get into other people's Gmail accounts. So if you just, you know, public service announcement here. If you have those things enabled on your critical aggregator of information like G Gmail or your email address, turn it off and use two-factor. Yeah, love actually, of God, use two-factor. I'll, I'll flip back to that conversation, which was 
the way I got into his account and there was a video on it, it was like a, a little bit cringy because it was like I redid the video based on feedback from someone who's not in the security industry, which was interesting. But like one, one of the so the piece of that is if you have a Gmail account, which you signed up for like years and years ago, you their original password reset mechanism, which was based on your like secret question is still active on your account. Like it never manually kicked off. Even if you've opted into two factor and phone number and you've opted into all of these things, that reset security question still can bypass all of it. And that is amazing to me. CryptoCat jumped into chat. If you haven't seen his videos, he is an amazing hacker uh, and I love his videos. Uh, check him out, Crypto. Cat, thank you for ju uh, jumping in. It's been a while. You asked about Loops, who is a new person. Uh, has his first stream. Loops, I know I'm going to put you on the spot here. Can you like, right. give us a little bit of background? And I know us as hackers love talking about ourselves. So uh, yeah. talk about yourself. Yeah, no, I don't think uh, I don't think 35 minutes is going to be enough time. No, um, yeah. So my background, sure. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm like uh, like Gary. I'm. Uh, I'm a military vet, so I started out my career in the Air Force. Um, you know, I started out as many security people do in the IT field. So, you know, I was uh, I was kind of the the jack of all trades. This was like early 2000s timeframe of uh, you know we do everything on prem still. This is before the cloud. This is you know before before lots of things. And uh, so yeah, I got to got to really experience all the different uh, pains of security. Uh, in those kind of early years, um, I didn't get into into uh, you know what what some would call cyber. I know we hate that word, right? But uh, until cyber things. Uh, cybery things, yeah, I didn't really get into that uh, until I went to grad school for um, for computer science and got into like vulnerability research and stuff. And so I ended up doing that for a few years after I left the Air Force. I I got out and uh, and was a vulnerability researcher for a few years for um, uh, for a defense contractor. That's where I met Gowry. We were uh, we were uh, called cubicle mates. We worked in a, a little a little office we called the Pirates Den, and uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I uh, things I've got weird for in, a few uh, years, and you know, things got really weird. Out, you know, <laughs> and, and, and I asked and, myself a lot of. I was going to say, and we just met met last night, and in that five minutes we were supposed to spend like doing a sound check, an hour later we not only found like a kinship, but we also found out we both have a serious, serious, I would say coffee problem, coffee addiction. Uh, uh, we have a wonderful love for coffee, which I feel like everyone in this space should have, uh, and if they don't, then they're dead to me. I'll leave it <laughs> Spent an inordinate amount of money and time and energy and thought on coffee. Yes, I, uh, I'm actually certified in, in uh, coffee roasting somehow. I don't do it professionally. It was just a thing I wanted to do. And there was a class for it. So I went and did it. So uh, yeah, if you ever want some coffee roasting tips, uh, I guess I'm a professional. I don't know. Yeah. You're talking to I, some I have a five pound roaster in my house. It's a beautiful oh, thing. Nice. I have a room. What do you have dedicated to it? Uh, North, a North roaster, which okay. I'm pretty happy cool. with. Uh, Jumping back to, I don't know, some, something in IT, as many of these hacks have coming, uh, coming the question, uh, actually here, there is more and more news. There's LastPass breach and all of those. Just as a general question, at what point have you, have you embraced the dread that these things just happen, that these things are going to continue to happen? Have you just gone, okay, cool, everything's broken all the time forever, like 
there? Or, or is this just like information where you go, okay, well, we have a job forever because these breaches will just continue to happen. Like, what's Brace your thoughts dread. on that? Embrace the, the dread. dread. <laughs> Gallery, where do you thoughts? My, my thoughts? I mean, my thoughts are I, I'm going to start a farm and delete computers and return to monkey. <laughs> like, that, you know my thoughts on this. But yeah, no, I mean, I, we always joke that this is, you know, for for you, when the FAA systems went down, it was the worst day ever. For me, it was Tuesday, right? <laughs> like, this is just another day in the world of computing in general. Stuff breaks, and then you go fix it, and it's not the end of the world uh, until it is. <laughs> now, here's, here's the question. <laughs> you find yourself uh, with competing emotions when it comes to, like, these massive hacks. Like, do you... Do you have that little bit of like uh like the Joker and Batman just kind of smiling as the world burns going like yep that's that's what the industry is like for me my uncle I love him dearly family is a beautiful thing uh I get emails from him almost consistently like this new hack happened. Here's a new, like, almost like a marketing expert. He's like, this new hack happened. Here's like four services you can buy to prevent this. And it's like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not buying. Not only am I not buying any of that, no one should be buying any of that ever. But it's like, if you, if you ever idea, but I feel like so much of this is you, for me, I, anytime I get one of these things, I, I do feel a little bit like the Joker of going like, yep, it's all burning. And that's okay. Because like, that is part of the industry. Do you get those weird competing why, emotions? And that's why we're sponsored by Garbage VPN. Garbage <laughs> VPN, shit in, shit out. <laughs> uh, yeah, Loops, you, know, you got we were talking about. Yeah, as I say, you know, we were talking about that the other night. Like, you know, there's certainly like this we told you so factor to all these things where it's, you know, you, you feel bad because you're like, man, there are some people who are really scrambling right now. Like, they didn't cause the problem, but they're cleaning it up, right? So... I feel bad for those people. I feel truly, honestly, deeply bad for those people. But at the same time, it's like the people who are above them, the people who made these bad decisions or, you know, were responsible for the inaction year over year. And here we are as the professionals saying like, you guys need to fix this. You need to get that 486 off the floor and get something like redundant, something that's reliable up and running. Cause this is an important service. You know, we kind of were able to sort of sit back as a community and go like, guys, we told you this was a problem. We told you so. So yeah, there's that part of me that's like the the Schadenfreude, like uh, you know, I'm happy for your pain because now this pain is public and maybe people will actually start doing things differently. Um, but it's but like I don't feel I don't feel yeah I don't I don't take any more pleasure in that pain than that fact. Fair we told you to rewrite it all in Rust. Why didn't you rewrite it all in Rust? <laughs> right. Now, part of me goes also like, is this a cause of the industry right now? One of the topics we got into was there's you th loops. You threw out this number of like I don't know where you got it, but like the seven hundred and fifty thousand jobs available in cybersecurity, and then we yeah. have people who want to get into cybersecurity. And how is it? Do you think that's part of this where it's like the, anyone in cybersecurity at any of these companies are screaming for more money, more budget, more people, more help because of this just onslaught of constant vulnerabilities coming out and constant things they need to defend against? Like, yeah, do you guaranteed. think that's part I mean, there's of that? that? Yeah, there's that sort of, you know, uh, empty space in the middle where you've got, you know, the the buy and the ask on each side, right? Where it's like you've got. Yeah, I think the number I saw was 700,000 openings. And I don't know if that's in the US or the world or what, but it, it's a lot of openings, you know, to say the least, there's 
people know that they need security professionals. And so like, I, I have to assume that they have budget for it, but they need something really specific in the, in these roles. And there's all these people who are trying to get into, you know, cyber and they're, they're not able to, there's, there's some, you know, corner that they haven't been able to peel back. Um, you know, is that, is that part of the ongoing problems? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's the companies are saying we need these people, we need this expertise, you know, granted more people is not always a solution to every problem. We know better than anyone, like, you know, the worst way to destroy a project is add more people late in the game, but like, you know, yeah, you definitely, you need more people with creative instincts and, you know, the understanding of the scale of some of these problems and the nature of some of these problems to get together and, and come up with better solutions because, you know, whatever is happening right now for just so many organizations just isn't working. You know, people, people talk a big game. They say, oh yeah, we're, we're leaders in, in security, we're innovators, but then you look under the rug, you look behind the, the curtains and it's, it's a mess, right? Like that's, that's every organization that's government, that's, you know, commercial, everyone has problems. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think staffing and, you know, just creative solutions uh, are going to be, they're going to continue to be a problem. You know, Department of Labor has projected shortages in the U.S. for the next, I don't know, like decade. So yep. yeah, clearly there's a problem. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm seeing some kind of uh, comforting things lately. I know, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Hack the Box got, uh, got some funding to go. Uh, yeah, a ton of funding. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. That's so, man. To me, that's just so heartening because that is that's saying like cyber training is is a real, real thing now. And you know, people have kind of done it in nooks and crannies, but now it's going to be now it's like its own little corner of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, of the market. Yep. You know, I, I, I oftentimes on the stream will harp on the military and, and in conversations as well in, in the idea that, you know, when, when I was about six years in and I was thinking about getting out and all these things and they started to train me to be an actual engineer, I decided I didn't want to be a sailor again. And then I went to college and within like six months at college, I realized just how uneducated in the field of computers the average enlisted cybersecurity specialist is. But, but this is the, the kicker to that. It was like, there's a lot of like, oh my God, it's a little bit of blind leading the blind. And I harp on them for that a little bit. But at the same time, they're basically one of the only organizations that'll take somebody working at a Dairy Queen and turn them into a cybersecurity specialist by investing years and years of training into them, you know, and, and getting something out of it. And they, and they do get something out of it. And so like that, that's kind of what, what Loops is saying is there's there's a lot of stuff missing in the middle where you could have somebody who's trained in software development or, or computer engineering, but there's this huge gap between that and effective cybersecurity specialists, whether you're building cybersecurity tools or you're reverse engineering things. And I often said this back at, at my last job, if you want, you're not going to go out and find uh, these pre-trained individuals that will slot into the exact job that you want. Yeah. It doesn't exist. If you do find them, you hit the lottery and, and they're going to cost an absurd amount of money, right? There's this huge in-between where you have to look at them and say, take any competent new grad and mold them into the engineer that you need and recognize that it's going to take a year, a year and a half to get that out. And, and it works, right? And so like this investment yeah. of going out and purchasing pre-built perfectly molded engineers 
unless you're the Facebooks or you know Meta or or Google of the world, and you can throw five hundred thousand dollars at someone's face, it's not going to happen. Yeah. By the way, CryptoCat, uh, who's pasting a link. Yeah, I I turned on a security feature for my channel. It blocked a bunch of people. Other thing, Gator. Welcome to the channel. By the way, hey, Gator. if if you do love Gator, Gator is starting to post it to his YouTube channel as well, and he should post it. Oh, he can't post it in chat. Look him up by his name. He's a beautiful person, and you should go follow him. Adding Very adding good. to this conversation, though, I the part which is massively concerning to me, especially when it comes to... So, historically, if you wanted to get into, let's say, offensive security or, or hacking or pen testing or whatever you want, red teaming, whatever you want to call it, historically, when, when, I, when I was a child, we didn't have hack the box. You didn't have, you maybe had hack this page way later on, but you're going into IRC and it was mm, an a, annoying community. And I'm going to say annoying community because you had most of the people you met when you tried to break into the community were all the mm, all the idiots who were like four or five months ahead of you who had just enough knowledge to think they knew a ton, but then would slowly shut you down, quickly shut you down because you turn into this like miser hoarder of secrets. And you're like, <laughs> these are my secrets and this is my hacking tools including med USA and not Medusa because some idiot will call it that for a good, like six years. Point being is if they won't, they wouldn't share the information and which makes it very difficult to get into the field. And then you get like, we'll call it the actual experts who like love sharing this information and want to get people in the industry. And when it, when, when I started, it was this like weird hoarding of information. And we've hit this a little bit where I think a lot of people are hoarding it. So I love this fact that you have, you have hack the box and you have try hack me and these awesome resources that anyone can go and learn. Here's what I actually take and that may be an exception to, but like this is the, the hardest part. There is a massive gap in how many, like we need more pen testers. We need more offsec in companies can just hire tons of these people. And then because they have the services to sell them, the biggest problem with it is it doesn't work like most other things in the world of it's, it's very similar to maybe a home inspection, but in the sense of you go, if, if I take the cruddiest tester who's never tested anything in their lives, like someone who has no idea what they're doing, my daughter, I sit my daughter down, put her in front of my computer and say, test this website. She's not going to find anything. I will write the report and say, we didn't find anything. And that company gets a report, an excellent report saying, guess what? You are 100% secure. There's not a single vulnerability. It is a fundamental flaw in how I think we do things. There, I think there's fixes for it. But that is terrifying when we have this many jobs that need to get filled and this many people want to get into the industry will hit that. I know just enough to get by and I think I know a lot, but I haven't like realized how much there is to know. And you now have like what I think what it is we're feeling the aftershocks of that with the FAA getting hacked with, uh, I mean, heck, it's gotten so bad between Experian, FAA and everything like that, where hackers are like, the offensive security, like black hats are starting to feel bad because in giving the money back, that's the funniest one to me is that. They felt bad because they hacked a hospital and the hospital wasn't prepared for it. And they gave the money back or gave the, yeah. the hack back. This is, this is like, I think the, 
ah, like that's the problem. And I, I think that's, that's how we solve it. That's the solution to everything. I mean, I don't know, before right. we jump onto the money giving back, what's your thoughts? Yeah. So you, you come, you, you, uh, you talked about two things that really interested me. The first one was, you know, the breaking in part where you, there was, you know, we've kind of gone back and forth between there's these groups of, uh, you know, the, the, you know, hoarding all the knowledge. And then now they're, you know, there's kind of times when we go to like, we're sharing all the knowledge. I don't think we, I don't, I don't think there's a time component to it. I think there's just always kind of been those groups and it's, you just kind of luck out if you find those groups, you know, for me starting out one of the things, like I didn't know like Linux install parties were a thing until much later, but like in the late, we'll say in the late 1900s, um, I remember back in high school when I was, uh, uh, I was at a LAN party and, you know, we're just like playing Quake 2 or whatever. And and then we we're like, I was like, I wanna, I'm going to put Linux on my on my computer. <laughs> and so it became a Linux install party. And there was this guy that, you know, I looked up to. I was like a sophomore or whatever at the time. And he was a senior and he was, you know, helping me install, you know, like Red Hat 5 or something. And that was like the coolest thing in the world to me because I was getting to learn from this dude who knew more than I did. And uh, I was just surprised to, to be able to sort of like get that knowledge to get his time. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, we need to come back, we need to like get something like that going again. You know, uh, I don't know what it would be nowadays, like installing Linux is trivial, but you know, there's something that somebody's like looking at and they're saying like, I just need to like sit next to somebody and learn how to do this the first time. And then I can, you know, like that's the first corner that I can peel back and start learning. We need to get more of that. Um, and, uh, you know, the second thing you talked about was like getting the, the, you know, putting your, putting your kid at the wheel for, uh, you know, going and doing a pen test. Okay, maybe not a pen test, but I'll tell you like an, an experience I had um, was I was doing an engagement once with a handful of, you know, experienced people and a handful of um, brand new people. They hadn't been like certified at anything yet. And, you know, they were sitting and watching and, you know, I saw them kind of getting bored and, you know, they were trying to pay attention to what was going on. But, you know, I finally realized, like, I was like, I have a, I have a system that's read only, you know, they, they can't interact with anything. They can go in and start, you know, looking at some logs. We had like Moloch running. And so this brand new guy who hadn't been to training yet or anything, I got him on Moloch and he started digging around through like DNS logs and he started popping up really interesting things. And like some of them turned out to be findings. And I was like, holy crap, you know, new people, it's that, you know, curiosity that's the difference. It's that, you know, passion for wanting to go and just, you know, tinker, prod, learn, um, you know, these are, these are valuable experiences. And, you know, I think that, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't underestimate the power of people who haven't really gotten the you know the bona fide educational experience or the you know they haven't gotten the cert or whatever like everybody's got value to add and they've got experiences and perspectives that we're just not even really thinking of until they until they you know blow our minds so and we we awesome, talk about this awesome all the yeah, we, we talk about this all the time too even if you do have the bona fides the degree or the certification to be honest like those things are only worth so much. It gives you a vocabulary and oftentimes certification gives you some level of base information about how to use tools or operate in the space. Like I often say the biggest thing you get from a degree is the vocabulary to have a conversation with somebody else. Doesn't mean that you have a computer science degree. It doesn't mean you're going to be a good software developer, right? Um, but it gives you the ability to talk about problems at a higher level. That's basically uh, what I'm saying is but you know even if even if you get those certifications it doesn't necessarily tell you anything about what how effective this person will be it just really tells you what conversations you can have with them so it's really hard to to 
to determine. And that's why like interviewing is a nightmare in this industry, right? I often, I often say that I have a master's degree in computer science. I have 15 plus years in the, uh, in the background. And every time I go into an interview, it's like, I have to prove I'm not an absolute mouth breather. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's why I like interviewing this is in this industry. And then on top of that, in the security realm, like, Yes, I've used IDA. I've used all these tools. I can talk like and the, and you throw me like the basic little reverse engineering challenge. It can feel kind of insulting at, at sometimes, and so it kind of puts people off in that sense as well. And so there's a lot of cultural yeah. issues as well. This is why you get this is why you get a CISP, uh, because that shows that you have all the knowledge you need for everything in this industry. Yeah, everyone everyone, yeah. everyone needs to know. That the the height of the fence outside a skiff needs to be nine feet if it has barbed wire, <laughs> or ten feet if it doesn't. Like the the ah the the money shams that exist within certifications just kind of yeah. makes my blood bo blood boil. Can, can we go? Can we go back momentarily to Loops being a young hacker and, and installing probably Linux one point eight or something? I'm just imagining him <laughs> up there like this. As as the, his first terminal yes. comes up, <laughs> that's that's actually me. Yeah, <laughs> when I got my first shell. Yep. <laughs> I think what is interesting though, it's like you mentioned learning from other people, and I think like the the massive bursts in knowledge that I've gotten, like early, which I got early, wasn't from an IRC channel, wasn't from online, or it wasn't from a book or something like that. It was from individuals. It was individuals like, and it wasn't even individuals who were, we'll say, in my vertical. Like a roommate of mine was Bunny, who runs the hardware hacking or who ran ran it forever at DEFCON, the hardware hacking village. And it, it, him got me, got helped me start satiating that curiosity. Like uh Poncho who who reverse engineered Steam Vac engine and stuff like that, being able to learn from him doing that. Like those were my big bursts in knowledge. I also think like, yes, video games, so at a core, at least of anyone in our generation, like Learning how to do networking on like, oh goodness, like GameSpy Arcade to hook an Xbox oh playing Halo. Like pretty much you were creating a VPN, but you had no idea how to do it. So you're like bumbling your way through network connections just to be able to ha play Halo with other people and then find out that you unscrew it the connection because one had to be a server and one ha didn't have to be server and you do standby hacking. And like, I do think it is a, was the, was the gate, video gaming was the gateway drug. Lastly. And then, and then you're, and then your parents come downstairs and they're like, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, we're just tunneling. And they're like, you're going to get arrested. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that reminds think... me of a classic Onion article. Uh, parents discover kids doing PHP. <laughs> I think the one which I do have to say I have a level of embarrassment on is when you were talking about Quake. I think it was, it might have been Quake. It might have been Unreal Tournament. But the... Uh, the oh goodness the orgasmic voice the person had when you had like the multi-kill and it would do that and you'd be like this it would come over the speakers and you're like i can only imagine what my parents must have been like this is why we got a good quality pair of headphones so you didn't have to hear that you remember that game i don't know which one it was i mean it was probably halo right no it wasn't halo Rook, it was it was the uh, no that one that one was killtacular like it this was the uh, ultra kill was what it was but it was the it was the best map that has ever been ever been created or ever will be created for PvP where it was the two towers on like kind of like this rock and space type of thing like oh 
such a good game. Like, <laughs> I just remember PvPing. Oh, so I, I miss PvP. I really do. I haven't played a video game in a while. I thought the height of PvP was uh, there's a very short lived game called uh, Daikatana, and it was it, it didn't last very long. But in the early days of it, and like it was almost like they released it at the beta phase, like many like all the best games, right? And uh, there were you had these like mines that you could set up, and you could set them up right next to the spawn points, and there was no grace period when you got uh, when you respawned. <laughs> So like oh, the no. funniest thing to do was set up mines at every single spawn point and then kill somebody once and it was like a cascading like you would die 11 times every time you got killed horrible yeah, get- worst game ever but so fun gator helped me out here it was it was unreal tournament 2000 uh 2003 oh. and it was god oh, nice. god like yeah that was oh it was such a good announcer i want to spin back to something i said earlier which was the the hackers felt so bad they gave the money back Gator, I mean, uh, not Gator, goodness, I'm looking at his chat. Gowry, I have your uh, screen. I'm going to throw it up here. Yeah, so this was an article. What was this? Oh, January 1st. It was the first, yeah, because I sent this over. I said <laughs> I said this over to Silk the moment I saw it because I was like, oh, what a way to start the year. A ransomware gang apologizes and gives Sick Kids Hospital a free decryptor <laughs> for its ransomware. The Lockbit ransomware gang has released a free decryptor for the hospital for sick kids, or sick kids is the name of the organization, saying one of its members violated rules by attacking the healthcare organization. This isn't the, I mean, this is interesting, but the most interesting part is really the fact that um, they talk about this organization, this Lockbit gang in terms of as if it were a company because they released a statement that said we formally apologize for the attack on sick kids and give back the decryptor for free the partner who attacked this hospital violated our rules is blocked and is no longer in our affiliate program right like the, this is like, the group like what are you selling it. makeup like, like come on yeah yeah no exactly <laughs> like like this is this is what we're talking about it used to be like we, we often like kind of skirt around talking certain about certain we'll say business endeavors that exist within cybersecurity. people who find vulnerabilities and sell them what used to be on the black market but now it's pretty much just the market like there's now an active market for vulnerabilities it's real it's out in the open at this point and here we have what would have been like a dark web organization coming out and making like publicity statements about how they're doing good like oh it's okay we didn't mean to steal from this hospital. We're giving it all back. We're sorry about the problem. We're going to go continue stealing from bad corporations and your old little old grandma, right? <laughs> the, the kicker with this, though, is like this is this is not unusual. Think about um, not Lot Crypt, whatever one of the earlier ones was. They had an entire help desk dedicated around helping people with their decryptor. Like you could go to their website, hit the live chat support option and get support on their decryptor that you purchased with Bitcoin. Like it makes sense in some ways because then more people continue to pay because they know if they pay, they get support on it. Like, but my gosh, is it just utterly ridiculous when these, these again, they run like organizations. They have internal help desk to help their teams. They had full affiliate programs with so many of these where if you're, if you build a, so they build the ransomware, they don't build the dropper, the thing that actually like puts it on the system and executes it. So 
you build your own dropper, you buy their ransomware, they handle all the transactions, all the Bitcoin washing, all of that, and you drop their malware and you get the, it's part of the affiliate program. Like, it is incredible to me that these things have just continued growing as they are, but at the same time, it's like, ah, technology has grown and it allows these opportunities to exist. Yeah, it's funny. We keep saying this, like, you know, they operate like businesses, they operate like companies. They are businesses, you know, in from their from their standpoint, it's making them money. You know, they're they're not going to, you know, prison in the majority of cases, like every once in a while one gets turned up, but like they're they're doing what's making them money and they're getting away with it. It is business. And, you know, I think the, you know, asserting the level of professionalism, you know, that is that is their attempt to sort of, you know, prevent themselves from, uh, you know, being gone after, you know, carte blanche. Like they don't want to be, they don't want to be attacked by law enforcement. And so they're trying to present the best possible light to, to assert themselves as a legitimate, somehow legitimate business. Right. But, um, something else I wanted to talk about though, is you know, I've, I've been reading and I don't know if this is true or not. So this is a little bit of a kind of an e-break and like, there's some hearsay here, but like my understanding of the situation with this hospital is that these, uh, the organization, the hospital IT organization had backups and they had already restored their services, uh, by the time that the group came out and, uh, issued their apologies. So I don't know what the truth is here. I don't know. Uh, I haven't read anything, you know, uh, ground truth about this, but are, you know, were they trying to put that up as like a, you know, after the fact, like, oh, just kidding, we, we really meant to do this or were they, were they truly sorry? And they, they actually, you know, for, you know, they, they, they gave up the, the revenue there for, for the good of mankind. I, I just, I kind of don't no. believe that aspect. I, I it's... think it's more likely that the, the hospital got its services back up. No, and, and for sure, like the, the the takeaway from this is not like, oh, look at the look at how kind this ransomware organization is. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. It's more the absurdity of a ransomware organization having what it what amounts to a PR department running yeah. these campaigns because of exactly what you said, where these organizations don't want um, they they don't want the you know global government hammer coming down on them. They're operating out yeah. of places that have you know basically we'll think of like russia right russia turns a blind eye to a bunch of hackers as long as they hack other countries <laughs> right don't screw around internally do whatever you want outside the borders and we'll just kind of you know reap some of the back-end benefits out of the the chaos that you have um stuff like that or you know i'm, I'm singling out russia but it all there's a bunch of places in southeast asia that that uh run like this and they don't want global governments to then turn around and like get sanctioned because they're allowing these these organizations to continue operating and they're starting to attack places like children's hospitals so this 100 percent, this is like a pr operation to prevent yeah. say like oh we're bad but we're not that bad <laughs> like yeah. we, we you know what i mean so i'll pull this back to out? another one Oh, go on, and then I'll. Then I'll oh, as is, yeah, you, you know, it's, if if they're going to hand out red notices, you want to be at the very end of that list, right? Like, you want to be <laughs> low on the list of Interpol targets. Yeah. 
Yeah. Squiddy has me cracking up. They go, software is software. Yeah, pro most of these organizations <laughs> probably have a better QA process than most enterprises do. Where they're like, hey, we need the QA testing. We need this. I'm going to laugh my butt off. And Well, actually, you know what? They would have to. They probably do have, we'll call it, oh, goodness. I want to say secure DevOps, anti-security DevOps, where they run their malware through all the different security tools to make sure it's not detected and it's fully undetected. Oh, yeah. So here's oh, yeah. here's the the, the topic I kind of want to pull. We're gonna pull all the things back to it to back and find the nugget of truth that land the toad of truth that sits at the end of the rainbow, uh, because there always is one. Uh, there's there's yeah the, no okay, but here's the piece. We have this we we covered this idea that like security education is becoming more and more available. We know there's a gap in the industry. We know so much of this malware is becoming easier to write. There was just an article with using chat uh, GPT to help write new forms of malware. Here's, here's the Why piece not? I'm un, unsure about, which is we want to make education more and more and more available. On the other side of things, there is a living off the land ransomware kit sitting on GitHub right now legitimately it's an entire ransomware kit built in PowerShell, which is a living off the land one, meaning like it just uses native windows stuff to, to run. At what point are, are we like, we're, we're giving the ammunition out there. We're maybe not to make, let's not go down that analogy route. Uh, we're get, we're giving all the tools to create malicious things. We're giving the education out there. And then I almost feel at times like you have places like YouTube where it goes, you know what? Hold on. That's an actual hacking video and pulls down like an education video. I know CryptoCat has had videos taken down where it's clearly an education video. But then there's been times where it's like they want to stop video, like live hacking, where someone's like actually doing something illegal in a video, whether it's hacking, whether it's anything. But there is a question to be had there is, are we just making things worse by pushing all the information out there, pushing living off the land ransomware, giving these more tools and then telling We'll say like mm, people who are we're talk, we talked about video game hacking and things like that. Like that's how a lot of people learn. Like learn how to get into this industry. Are we just weaponizing? Let's we'll say like the the people getting into this industry with all of this education, and then say, okay, cool, be be good citizens out on the internet because most of what you do out in the internet you can't be held liable for. Yeah. This is this is the forbidden knowledge question. Like, to to what extent <laughs> should the knowledge be considered forbidden, right? And and if and if you think about it, like back in the '90s, it was much much more forbidden, right? Like mm -hmm. people, you, you did nice things, or you were that. This is where black hat and a white hat came from. Even back in the '80s, like that whole thing, there was a certain amount of unless you went off and read the manuals and figured it out by yourself, you weren't really allowed in the community because it was tight lipped. Uh, uh, there was the laws were enforced very selectively because they still didn't really understand how to deal with this. And now we're in the age where like every major university has a baby's first buffer overflow class, right? Where they teach you how to pop a shell. Like just about every major university will teach you some amount of uh, vulnerability and, and reverse engineering if, if you get into the right classes. <clears throat> and you're really asking like, are we setting people up to just go be criminals by handing them a bunch of potentially dangerous knowledge. And is it, and what, what amount of that knowledge should be considered quote forbidden? And I, I don't have an answer to that, uh, to be honest. Like my, my standpoint is 
you got to teach it in order to 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 get the defensive people you know uh, on the good side working so you are you can't you can't restrict it right we got to just do it but to the level that we allow for example uh a, a, an entire like rootkit or ransomware to just live on github like i think distributing tools to that caliber is we we could probably find that in, in at being a gray area where like someone could make a law against that and i'm not sure that i would agree with it entirely but i certainly understand it personally man I, first of all i don't think there's such thing as uh forbidden knowledge certainly there is such thing as classified knowledge and that's you know that should be protected you know but uh Forbidden knowledge, if it's out there, then, you know, why, why would we, why would we tie a hand behind our own backs, right? Like, as a defender, well, as somebody who's, you know, written signatures, who's written detections, I'm happy to see that stuff out there. Like, if I got source, if I can go, like, see the actual tool and, and how it's operating, and I can write a detection for it, awesome. Because it's going to be used either way, like, it's going to get shared yeah, somehow yeah. through some, through some avenue. Well, and I'm out to defend yeah. against it one way or the other. If I'll it's throw in the Oh, go on. Yeah. Oh, I was uh, just going to say, like, whoever, whoever's hands it ends up in is kind of immaterial to me. I want to be able to defend against it and, and have the best leg up in that, in that fight. Loops is the guy going through the Garden of Eden, just grabbing apples off of every tree and taking a bite. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I like apples. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I'll, throw, I'll throw it out this way. So I have, I have my big red button here, which, which I used to have set up where I just hit it and it, hit, it just hacked the planet. But point being is... I have a red, big red button out here. If I put this in the middle of like a busy street and said, hey, anyone who hits this, you will get $1,000, but someone on the other side of the world dies. I don't think many people would hit it. I have enough faith in humanity to know that, yeah, some idiot will actually hit it. But most people are not going to come up and hit the button because they, 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 they have some level of awareness. If I say the same question is, if you come up and hit the button, in someone's files get encrypted, but you get $1,000 every time you hit it, people would be fighting over hitting the button. That is the part where I think is I lose a little bit of faith in humanity because I believe no one's going to hit it to kill someone, but I do think people would be fighting over it. If you could steal $1,000 from someone random online, but in all, all that happens is they encrypt their files because everyone can justify it. Well, they should have had backups. They should have done this. Am I crazy or do you agree with me that people would be hitting the button? I literally don't know, but I think we need to have a stream to test this out. And I think you just need to go find a really busy intersection and put it out there and, and have that sign next to it that says $1,000 <laughs> and someone gets hit with ransomware. I need, we'll I need the $1,000. That would actually be <laughs> a really fun game where you got to sign up and you opted in. You were allowed to push the button, but you had to opt yourself into it. Oh, here we go. Gallery has an image for us. I'm going to put it in. I mean, I get nervous because I can't see these images before I put them up. Yeah, no, this is just one of those old comics. Every time you push this button, <laughs> your life shortens by one year. Somebody just comes along and just like, ah. <laughs> no. so, I, mean, uh, I, 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 I think uh, I think you're slightly naive in thinking that someone won't push the, the kill but someone button. Uh, somebody out there is definitely going to run up and smack it as many possible times as they can, even if it was only a dollar, right? Like that's how little faith I have in humanity. Or no money at all. They're just trying to call your bluff. Or, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, well, exactly. yeah, I, but I think like as a general statement, more we'll say the general population would hit the button for ransomware. They wouldn't, hit, gen, yeah. generally speaking, it's way easier to hit the thousand dollars for ransomware. Again, I guess it's kind of an unfair question because most people would probably put those death in a category different from like losing your files. I don't know. Maybe I know some of us probably would actually put those differently, but point being is like, <laughs> I don't know. There's, it is an interesting time to be alive when it comes to, I do feel like the number of hacks is massively increasing. We have this massive gap. I don't think it's a recipe for success. I, where we are right now, I think it's going to be years before we start figuring, we'll say like figuring out cybersecurity because we are not catching up with the speed of technology uh, that's grow growing. Using the example like chat GPT, we haven't even scratched the surface of like the implications on cybersecurity with a tool like that for things like how it's how it's pulling its data model, how it's pulling its 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 data. All of a sudden, what happens when it starts ripping into private information that it shouldn't have? And now those questions can be asked. Like, it's a fascinating time right now. With that, Gowry, what do you got for us? Well, it's 2023. Uh, my kitchen is presently in the process of being ripped up. I, I don't have a kitchen right now. My house is chaos. So 2023 is just the year of chaos for me, and I'm just going to embrace the chaos. We're just glad to be done with the holiday chaos and back to streaming again. <laughs> Loops, I'm so glad you decided to join us. What do you got? For I'm so us? glad you invited me, man. This is, you know, I for 2023 for me is I think more of this. I, I just, uh, you know, I haven't had a whole lot of opportunity to kind of get out there and just sort of, uh, you know, speak my my uh, unfiltered uh, truth, you know. So uh, this has been really cool. Thanks for thanks for bringing me on. Um, other than that, you know, I think. Uh, I'm going to be, I got to get back into coffee roasting, man. You got to tell me what you're uh, interested in and uh, we got to have some, you know, uh, PVP roasting. All right. But see, I'm, I'm good with that. Ethiopian yoga right. chef, mwah, the season mm. ended. Yeah. It's they're coming on in. They're getting shipped in. That is, oh, that is my absolute favorite. Uh, All right. That? I'll get some greens. So, so much to learn, so much going on in the industry. Uh, thank you for joining us on our, um, hold on. What's going on here? Uh, no, that was just oh, completely. You know, I, I I have a false false ending with that. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for sticking around. Uh, and thank you for giving us a little bit of your Saturday morning. With that, thanks for watching and hack on.